Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 113. Well, howdy, y'all. I'm pulling an Aubrey for you today. Um, how's it going? It is Monday, September 18th. I cannot believe we are already like plowing through September like nobody's business. It is so crazy. Now I think it's okay for the grocery stores to start having their Halloween decor up and ready to go because I'm in the mood. Even though it's still like 80s and 90s degree degrees outside in South Carolina, it feels like fall. So, how's everybody doing? You having a good time now that kids are back in school? Feeling a little bit of the pressure relieved? Or is it worse? I don't know. For me, I have three kids in the same elementary school. So, on one hand, it's like way easier. They all get up at the same time. They have to be ready in the car at the same time, go into the same place and pick them up at the same time, same place. We get one year of that. It's going to be awesome. But... You know, they're back into activities, and I have to remember what three little people are supposed to be doing and when they're supposed to be where, and that's a little bit crazy, but um, we're doing, we're making it. Anyway, today we are interviewing Rebecca Undem. She is so cool. We had so much fun chit-chatting with her, besides the fact that she has amazing hair. She's just an amazing woman in general, and such an interesting story of corporate turned farm life, turned author, turned uh, just this message that she has of wanting to help people realize that they can still live big even if their circumstances aren't what we would consider like the big life. Like, for example, living on a farm and running up a pumpkin farm with your mother. But um, she is just so much fun. Really enjoyed speaking with her. Felt like I made a new best friend by the end of the interview. And we hope that you'll love everything that she has to say, too. So uh, listen up. We'd love it if you either commented on the show or came over to our Facebook page and let us know what you think about Rebecca and this episode. You can check out all the show notes and any links we mention at losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 113 and we would absolutely love it if you would subscribe and follow us on iTunes and leave us a a positive review so that we can be shown to more people as well. Have a great day and don't let that cape get in your way. Welcome back to another episode of the Lose the Cape podcast where we interview busy modern moms and other people who like to help busy modern moms make their life more enjoyable and more fun and easier to face the struggle of the juggle. We are speaking with Rebecca Undem today, who is a professional development uh, person, speaker, and author. She yearns to live in a world with bold, inspired people who aren't afraid of making mistakes with a forever full cup of coffee in her hand. Isn't that the dream? Preferably nut-flavored. A professional development expert with nearly a decade of experience, she's a highly sought-after speaker traveling the country, sharing her message of how to live big, regardless of what you do for a profession or where you happen to be. When she's not writing or developing solutions to help individuals, businesses, and communities think bigger and challenge the status quo, you can find Rebecca cleaning up a variety of messes made by her three young children or her farming husband. Lots in common happening here. This is good. (laughs) She wrote a memoir, a personal memoir in 2016 that was released early 2016 called How Mommy Got Her Groove Back, which we are excited to talk about. So... um, Welcome. How old are your three kids? I have to know. Thank you. So my oldest, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So my oldest is eight. Uh, Our middle son turns six next week. And then our youngest daughter, Brinley, turns three in September. 
So eight, six, and three. Yay. Yours are spaced like mine are, but mine start at 10 now. So I'm just a mm-hmm. little bit ahead of you. It's funny when, when I started this podcast, they were say seven, five, and three. Right. Right. Yeah. No. They must have, anyway, we won't get wrapped up in that. But yes, I feel your pain. I know where you're at. <laughs> yes, and busy, busy. busy. I, I live on a, Alexa calls it a ranch, but I'm in Texas, so I don't feel like we have near enough acres to be classified as a ranch. But my husband, we have cattle and horses, and my husband's a professional rodeo cowboy, but I am not a cowgirl. Like, ah. I, don't, I don't ride, I don't saddle. But I, I, I kind of get thrown into this stuff where you have to. <laughs> oh yes. my gosh. I love you already. Honestly, <laughs> um, that's, I just, I just re- recently called myself the reluctant wife of an eventual farmer. Like my husband, when I married him, he was a farmer. And then I suddenly had to be like, so I'm a farmer's wife now. Like, what does that, what does that mean? You know, um, how do we do this? Well, yeah. well I, I tell everybody I meet and I, it, it's in the back of my head to write a book. Alexa's got to kick me in the butt to do it. But mm-hmm. um, I say our love story is like if Audrey Hepburn and John Wayne met and married. Like it's cool. that that's us. <laughs> so, okay, let's talk about this. Like we have a, a relatively new series on a podcast called Live Bravely. And I feel like it fits right in with this idea of of thinking bigger, give, you know, being bigger, doing all of these things. So what made you decide that this was going to be your thing how how did you decide you were going to you know really help people think bigger and 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 make more of life really okay well it's this is kind of a long story but i'll i'll start and then you guys just interject with anything that you're like wait hold up in the middle so <laughs> so it was it was 9 years ago that my husband and i returned to my rural hometown so I'm from a farming village. I like to call it, we like to call it a village because it's, it's a po- the population here is about 1,800 people. Oh, wow. That's yeah, small. It's, it's a village. <laughs> it's a small town. And, um, you know, growing up, I, I loved my upbringing. My parents, I have great parents and I'm stable and I, you know, I have a loving family and all of that. Uh, but I never thought I'd move back here. Like that wasn't the plan. I mean, I... I've always been just kind of too big for this space. Like I'm, well, and if you could see me, I'm actually almost, I'm almost six feet tall. So I'm like large anyway. And I joke about my big hair and my big teeth. But I see the only thing God didn't give me were like the, the big, the big to go along with like my and my feet. And it kind of sucks. But I mean, what are you gonna do, right? so I've got giant feet and a small chest. Nevertheless. I always felt just big and I had a big personality and I spoke my mind. Um, I was raised to speak my mind. So like legitimately the idea of coming back here was never in the plan. And so when it all happened, my mom had a, had a business idea. She wanted to start a pumpkin patch. This is like the funniest thing. Okay. So she wanted to start a pumpkin patch on our farm where I grew up and I write all about this in the book. So here's my book. Um, by the way, I just thought I would show you the, isn't that, my friend, the little graphic is so stinking cute. Um, but I talked about the fact that like, I just got this overwhelming sense of wanting to help my mom. Um, cause family's always been really important to me. And at the time it was, uh, I was a financial advisor. So we were living in Fargo, North Dakota. So the biggest, the biggest town in North Dakota, right? Like not Minneapolis, not New York, certainly, but a, but a big community. And, um, 
I always, you know, I had these visions in my mind of what my life was going to be. And it was going to be hustle. I was going to hustle and I was going to kill it. And I, you know, and it was like, not at all fit with the speed and the mode of living in a small rural community. So, but yet I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily quiet that voice. Like this is what you should do. And my dad um, is a fourth generation farmer. I have an older brother that had no interest in farming and my father and his part, they, they've built a really successful business. And my husband, again, not a farmer, didn't grow up on a farm, but he had been coming back and helping with harvest. You know, like the, the couple years previous to us contemplating this. And so it was kind of like this, my husband didn't love his job. I was seriously struggling to find my way in my job. It just didn't feel right anymore. And so seriously, we didn't have kids yet. It was like, let's well, let's it. give it a shot. Yeah. Yep, let's give it a shot. And so here I was, big, enormous me, <laughs> right back in the middle of my small town. You are beautiful, by the way. <laughs> uh, yes. You're really sweet. But you know, it's just that whole thing of like, oh my God, like how am I going to, how am I going to feel like me? Right. I mean, that was, and that was a struggle. I mean, legit, I struggled with that for the first few years. I mean, you come back and you kind of have this sense like, well, everyone's just going to welcome me back. <laughs> You're like, uh, hey, she's back. Yeah, it's not really like that at all. I mean, <laughs> you have to, you have to, you know, you're different and the people that you grew up with are different. Sometimes right. you'll reconnect, sometimes you won't. Um, so yeah, and then I got, I was pregnant too. I mean, that's the other like kicker to this whole thing. I, we totally flipped our lives upside down and I found out I was pregnant. My husband naturally. had already, right, naturally. right. <laughs> My husband had already moved back and I was alone in our house in Fargo. I had two days of work left and I discovered I was pregnant. And I literally, I had that thought, like, what kind of smart woman does something like this? You know, <laughs> like smart was what I always aimed to be, you know, make smart decisions. Cause I'm smart, you know, whatever that looks like. So yeah, it was just a mind blowing whole experience. Right. And so why I have really grabbed onto this idea of living big in the life you're in is because sometimes I think, um, the plans that we have are not meant to be what happens to us. Mm. And, and there's going to be things that come our way and we have a choice, right? We can either see them as this giant departure and giant detour, and we can be angry and frustrated about it. Or we can say, what is this leading me to that might be better than I ever would have planned on my own? And that's what I feel like has happened with my life. Um, I feel like I'm living a bigger life now in this tiny little town than I ever would have had I'd stayed in financial services, mm -hmm. you know, maybe making more, maybe making more money. And it's definitely more stable money because I have my own business now and with farm, I mean, which is just, you know, like you never know. Right. Stability is not the reason you go into farming. Right. No. <laughs> but there's this, yeah, there's just this beauty and this connection. And I believe that people, I, I believe that women are looking for ways, like simple, easy to implement ways that they can be more inspired, be more fulfilled without like having to move to Bali, you know, because I swear like, in this space that we work in, half of the advice is completely impractical, not so advice. Like I've got three young kids. I can't, I suppose I could to say I can't isn't fair, but I'm not going to pack them up and leave everything, you know, and move yeah, the ball. Like, I'm not right. going to do that. And yet I don't think that's necessary. So super long answer to your very simple question, but that's no. kind of how I, how I came into this, just, this can't be, 
It's, you know, it, it can't be that you have to hustle and live in a big city and wield a briefcase and, you know, drink $9 coffees to right. feel like you're achieving something or accomplishing something. A lot of times our accomplishments are smaller and simpler, but they're still meaningful. And so I just want to be that beacon of encouragement to women so they don't feel like the daily juggle, the struggle of the juggle yeah. mm-hmm. is completely meaningless. Yeah. When I was reading um, the about that you sent to us about your book and you were talking about your dreams of living in the big city with your fancy suit, I was like, that was where I was probably like in my senior year of high school. And I was, you know, cheerleader, homecoming queen. I'm not coming back to this town. You know, I wanted to be a photographer and I live near Waco, Texas. So we're not that far from Dallas. So I was going to like, you know, walk the streets of Dallas and my girl started the school that I went to last year. And that was something that I said, never will they, will I ever step back? But that whole, I'm going to walk in, everybody's going to be like, Oh, it's Aubrey. And like, everybody looked at me like, who are you? Mm. <laughs> You're like, Hey, I, I, I was big at a moment in time. Right. And I'm big in my house, you know, and we do successful things. And I think just the growing of your children and you, the growing of anything, a business, a farm, mm-hmm. that's what's successful. But yeah, I was like, I, I feel like I know this lady because I feel like she's me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think your message is going to really resonate. And I know that um, one of the things that I've struggled with in particular over this past year, turning 40 and, you know, kind of questioning like, where am I? This is not what I thought I would be doing at 40. You know, I certainly didn't think when I was, you know, in college, I did not think that when I was 40, I would still have a five-year-old, you know, who's, who's (laughs) young. It's a young child still. I mean, God bless all of you women who are starting this glorious adventure of motherhood in your forties. My hat's Mm. off to you. I would Mm. die. (laughs) I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And mine are now 10, almost eight and and almost six. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, that whole idea of this is not what I thought I'd be doing or where I thought I would be. Can it be good enough for me? Can I still find happiness? Can I Mm -hmm. still be big in my small playground basically? Right. And it's really something that I've had to come to terms with a lot a lot this last year and it's hard it really is hard sometimes because yes. you know I still have those big dreams of I, I work with authors and and publishing and I got to go to New York City in July for the book expo and that was like the moment I mean I was like I'm in New York City I'm meeting people like James Patterson I am here with big big authors and big you know and I'm like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it was really hard when I came back because I was like, and now I'm back in Columbia, South Carolina with a five-year-old crawling all over me again. And where'd the glory go? Where'd the glory go? So, okay. So seriously though, don't you think really that that is the truth for every, even uber successful person? Like oh, yeah. if you've got children in the mix, yeah, like there's this, it's so, it's so, and that's, and that's the stuff that I try to work with women about. It's like the crap that's between your ears, right? Yeah. 
Like it doesn't, just because suddenly the next day you've got a five-year-old crawling all over you and you're covered with yogurt and spaghetti sauce. Or <laughs> exactly. Whatever. How'd you know? <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> it, it doesn't, it doesn't diminish the value of what you experienced just the day before. Right. And it's, you know, but it is, it is, it is so, so hard. And I talk about in the book um, that really, I think it's about redefining success for yourself. Right. And recognizing that like, for me, success was a pretty linear straight line. It's like, go to college, get a degree, do this, do this, do this, climb a ladder. Like any ladder was seriously, I, but that's not climbing a ladder just for the sake of climbing a ladder. Isn't really the point. The work that you're doing while you're climbing has to be fulfilling. And I think way too many of us, and I, and I'm also, you know, like I've self-diagnosed myself with OCD, like I'm OCD and I'm a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. So super type A. And so like trying anything that I may not be good at or, you know, doing something bold and brave was just really out of the box for me. And so it was like, I just wanted to follow a plan and follow a path. And I think too often we make internal contracts with ourselves early on. And we say, no matter what, this is this. And then we allow that to define us instead of allowing ourselves to adapt and change and recognize you can change your mind. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can change your mind about whatever it is that you were so like the whole thing of never saying never. I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to is realize that you are not going to know how you feel about something until you're standing right in front of it. Cause the person you were five years ago is not the person you're going to be five years from now. Absolutely. So far out planning. I mean, it has some value, but man, you know, throw in a kid, throw in a sick parent, mm-hmm. throw in, you know, um, a catastrophe those things end up fundamentally changing who we are and they change the way we perceive the world. And so the biggest thing all women need to give themselves, I think is grace, yeah, grace amen. To change your mind and amen. grace to adapt and grace to flex. And it's, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you, that you, um, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And it's been interesting because in this past year, basically, um, so Aubrey and I both work from home with our kids at home um, over the summer all the time. But um, this was the first summer I really, really thought at last year as I was planning out like how my summer would go and how my business would go, I really thought that I wanted to be able to work full time and I wanted to be able to to have a childcare full time over the summer and I made that happen. I built my business to the point where I was able to, to work full-time and to have full-time childcare so that I can focus all on my work. And you know what I found is that I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I miss having my babies in the background annoying me and, and, um, and annoying me is such a harsh word, but you know, interrupting and, and just being there where if, I, if they need me, I can be there for them, even if it means I have to push off something until later. And so like here it's, it's, it's hilarious because I have created this big life that was what I thought I wanted. And now I'm like, okay, how do I step back? How do I go back to part-time? How do I go rearrange my hours so that I can pick them up from school and spend those hellacious hours of homework time with them? Because mm-hmm. even though it's the worst thing I do in my day, it's also the best thing that I do in my day. Right. And so I agree with you that sometimes it's okay to say, okay, tried that. It didn't work. How do we pivot? How do we fix it? How do we get back to what really makes us happy? Right. Right. Or like you said, you, you got exactly what you wanted Mm -hmm. and it turns out it's maybe not exactly what you wanted. Like the idea of it was more 
exciting and you know that and that I just I think women are just way too hard on themselves and then they feel trapped like how do I get out and how do I step back right just it's always about repri- you know reprioritizing every single I like I I honestly tell the women that I work with like every at least every 6 months you need to sit down and really take stock of where you're at mm-hmm. you know what really matters am I serving my first and foremost values the best and first do they get my first priority do they get my first attention because we only have so much time and energy and attention to give. Yeah. It's not just about time management. For me, it's about energy management. Like what really makes me feel full and wholehearted and right. good. Right. You know, and, and even in the crap, right? Because right. kids, there's so much crap that comes with being a mother. <laughs> oh God, well, you know? I, like, it's super interesting because in your book description, you mentioned something about um, being able to set yourself free from the expectations of others, or I think you said liberate yourself from the expectations right. of others. And it, and it, I think that that was actually part of the issue because I felt like for so many years, I was defending myself as to what mm-hmm. I was doing and that I was mm-hmm. legitimately working and that I'm not just playing on my computer, that I felt like I needed to be quote unquote, full-time working and, and, you know, dedicated to my job every day. And then just realizing that it's not all that it's cut out to be and being able to say, who cares? I'm making money. I'm helping contribute to my family. I am doing what we need to be done. Who cares if they think I'm just playing on Facebook all day? Right. Right. And those, and ultimately um, we allow way too many people that aren't, so in my book, I call them nesties, like the, the best friends that are in the nest. So I call this the nest, you know, like your <laughs> close confidants. We let way too many people even peek in. Right. Like, those people have- Get out of my nest. <laughs> pick their butts out of your nest. Like they're not, it, and it's crazy because again, if you're a people pleaser, like I'm an empath, right? I'm, I'm really uh-huh. sensitive. And so that is a double-edged sword at times. I mean, I think it, it allows me to connect with people on a much quicker and deeper level than someone that doesn't have that. But I also tend to take things personally. Right. And I get really bent out of shape if somebody says something and I'm, I'm constantly trying to learn and remind myself like they do not matter. And sometimes even the people that are in your family or the people that love you the most are also the people that don't belong in the nest. And that's a hard thing. Yes, yes, yes. To wrap your brain around too, right? I mean, just, then that's the expectations of other people is recognizing that every single day it's you and the people in your nest. So your kids, if you're married, you have a spouse, whoever those people that are living life with you every single day, they're the people that you've got to be congruent with. Everyone else can just like take a hike because it doesn't. But really- it is, if you are an empath, it's so hard because I tell myself all the time, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you know, and my husband has friends, his friends always want to know how my business is doing. And I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, it drives me crazy when he was like, he went to lunch with a friend yesterday and he was like, yeah, you know, so-and-so asked about how the business is going. I'm like, what'd you say? And he was like, I don't know. I'm like, tell him <laughs> to mind his own business. They, no, men, they want to know, is she making money? Like, what, right. do I pay your bills? Right, <laughs> right. Like, well, why do they feel like they can ask that? I, but I have not been able to let it go. <laughs> well, and it's, it's because of that sense of, again, it's that rigid idea of what success means. And traditionally for me too, success equi- was equated to money. Like I put a lot of value on the amount of money I brought into my family. 
Um, and I, you know, working with financial advisors, good Lord, like that was totally the mark of what made you successful or not. And so I start doing this business. I'm at, this is my home office. I'm in my house and it's, it's, it's trying to not be affected by that opinion of, Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cute. Oh, and good for you. They say, I mean, you just, Oh, it is good for me. Thank you very much. But again, they don't, they just don't matter. I know. I know. And I I have to let this conversation go, but I have nothing against um, Etsy products, but I'm a product person and I know there are successful people on there. I'm not on there and I work with hospital gift shops. So I'm talking to hospital buyers like day in and day out. And I'm like, it's not a cute Etsy business. Like this is legitimate. You know, I talk to people in China stop let it go Aubrey it doesn't matter if they want to think it's cute let them think it's cute but still pissed off yeah absolutely well and I think you um Alexa used the word defending yourself it's also justifying right we feel Mm -hmm. we feel this we're compelled to justify every decision that we make and I don't I don't know why women I, I believe women are far more susceptible to that than, than men. I don't know why. Um, but it's constantly reminding yourself that like, that is largely just our inner critic, right? It's, and that's an internal thing. Even if people are being jerks, you know, externally, how we let that affect us is all on us. Like we just, we have to choose to say like, this person doesn't know, they don't need to know. I mean, you don't, we don't need to open up our lives to everybody so they can all see that we're doing okay. I mean, it's about looking in the mirror and saying, I'm doing okay. Like, and I'm good and I'm happy and I'm fulfilled and looking at your little people, if you've got them right. Or your spouse, if you've got one and saying, we're good. Are we good? And checking those people, like they're the ones that matter, you know? Right. But I think what you're talking about, it's so prevalent. It's so prevalent in people in businesses that you're running from your home. Mm-hmm. People just don't get it all. I mean, they just don't get it. No. And even though it's kind of funny because in our world, it feels like everybody's an entrepreneur, but right. the reality is I don't know anybody else in my community that, that does. I mean, I know people that work from home, but they work for big companies like Blue Cross Blue Shield, or they mm-hmm. do this or that. I know very few people who actually run their own service-based or even product-based business um, outside of direct marketers, um, right. you know, who, who, and they get a whole load of crap that's not necessarily fair to them either. Um, exactly. But, exactly. you know, yeah. So I, I want to jump backwards a little bit and say then, how did it go from being leaving your full-time job, finding out you were pregnant, and then to where you are today? Kind of walk us through how that happened and, and how you, you found yourself here. Well, um, okay, so when I, left, when I left financial services, I had already made contact with the woman who owned the North Dakota franchise for Dale Carnegie. Huh. So not, not small at all. (laughs) Right. So Dale Carnegie came into my world and, um, it was one of those things where I just, if I had been paying more attention to my gifts along the way, which is another thing I, you know, it, it, it's never too late to take a hard look and say, what am I naturally inclined to be good at? You know, like, what are my gifts? Cause I think sometimes we just, 
again, you get on a, a plan or a path and you just keep rolling with it. And then there's that little inkling of discontentment that happens. That's what happened to me anyway with financial services. I'm just like, there has got to be a bigger, more fulfilling way I can serve people. Like I loved the people aspect of my business, mm -hmm. but I could not see myself selling mortgages and stocks and bonds for the rest of my life. I just couldn't see it. And so I had been to a few of their seminars and like seriously talking about, you know, like a bold move. I just reached out to her and said, this is my name. I've been to a few of your things and I'm really interested in learning what it would take to do what you do. And we went to coffee and the crazy thing about it is like, she gets those, I guess she gets calls like that all the time. Um, because everybody, you know, you can go to a seminar like that and be like, Oh, it must be the funnest job in the world. And everybody wants to do it. Train, you know, stand up in front of people and train and do leadership development and all that right. stuff. So I, uh, it was amazing because we just connected immediately. Um, and so that is actually what I was doing. I was a contractor for Dale Carnegie from my little community. So it was a lot of traveling. Um, but I really, I mean, I just fell into step with what I felt like I was meant to do. And that training and that teaching and that mentoring and that coaching, it was just totally what I was meant to do. And really how it morphed into my own thing, interestingly enough, um, I had gotten a job opportunity. One of our clients had, had recruited me and it was a large nonprofit here in North Dakota. They had over 500 employees and they created a job for me and they paid me almost a six figure salary. Okay. And I was able to stay in Oaks and travel only a couple days a week. Nice. I was already traveling and my, you know, my money was really up and down because it was, it was independent work. And so I, I took that job. I left Dale Carnegie and it was all training and development. And I did that for three years. We only had Andrew, our oldest at the time. Then we had Carter. Carter got RSV when he was, um, he was five months old and we took an ambulance ride from, from our small town to Fargo. I was holding him. He was, he was like gray. It was terrible. I mean, oh he, he ended up being fine. RSV is really common, but it was, and then he was just, scary, sick. Though. <laughs> it is. he was five months old and then he was just sick all the time. Like that kid could not catch a break. And that was when I suddenly felt that just horrible pull between a full-time demanding job where I was paid really well. And how, you know, how do I balance that out with a kid that always needs me at home? I basically felt like I wasn't serving anybody. Mm -hmm. And then furthermore, I really was struggling with kind of the culture and I just didn't feel like me. It was literally the work environment was changing who I was as a mom, as a wife. I was cranky. I was angry. I um, found myself complaining about people and about work. And that's just like, it's basically everything I've ever coached people not to do. Right. And so I looked at my husband, <laughs> my, my husband, I just have to say on the record, like he is practically a saint because I don't know how you can be even married to me. I'm just I mean, like, seriously. So I'm making all this money, super stable, had taken that huge pressure of just providing off of his shoulders, at least, you know, cause farming is just so up and down. Right. And I basically was like, I think I need to, I think I need to quit my job. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, Oh my God, are you kidding? But he knew, I mean, he knew he had watched it. He had seen it. Yeah. And so it was in, um, it was June of 2013 that I left my full-time job and started 
the website, How Mommy Got Her Groove Back, basically, you know, thinking I can take everything I know about being a trainer and a facilitator and a coach, and I can pour those things into just women, like women that need it. And it has been a tough journey. I mean, no, no questions. Like I, then I got pregnant again with Brinley, another just shocker, like just a surprise. (laughs) And you know, then you just go, how do I keep, like, how is this happening to me? Like, how? I mean, I know how this works. I know we're being, I'm like, what's happening? But so, I mean, that is, I mean, and that is really, that's how I got to where, and the book came, I, I had written, you know, a number of blog posts and I had, a, I hired a speaking coach and she was really the person that set me on this path for really trying to buckle down and make this a real business versus just a blog that everybody loved, but didn't really, it wasn't monetized. Right. And I had no idea how to do that without being spammy. Like I didn't want to fill it with ads and I didn't, it was hard right away. I would say it was wholly unprepared really for what that step was going to look like. I still did uh, independent contract work for Dale Carnegie. So it's not like I had nothing for income at all, but it was really sparing and really sketchy. And we just down leveled our lifestyle. I say that like it's easy. It wasn't easy at all, but when you really, when it comes down to your mental health and your fulfillment versus having all the stuff that you're used to having, it isn't really that hard. Right. And a lot of more people could do it than they would probably want to admit. Um, just takes look, taking a hard look at how you're, what you're doing and asking yourself if it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have to know, go back to the pumpkin patch. Did, did your mom start the pumpkin patch? Did (laughs) y'all? She did. She did. And I, I honestly, it was a wonderful experience. Like, and my mom is, um, oh, my mom is, my mom and dad are, my parents are both a couple of the hardest working people I I personally know. And she just doesn't do anything halfway. I mean, it is like, if we're going to do it, it's going to be amazing. And so, I mean, we had, we had a corn maze and we had my dad built this wagon that he took people out to the pumpkin patch. And my mom had a shop. We had a retail space on the property. And it was just I the memories we made. And literally, I still, we're in all of this transition right now, you know, this many years later. And they don't have it anymore. I mean, she ran it for seven, seven seasons and just got tired. I mean, it's, it's an incredible amount of work. But I look back on it. I still go out to the farm and I'm like, oh, I get that pang of, I miss it. I mean, I really, I miss, it was so much fun. And our family, we don't have a huge family, just me and my brother for my immediate family, but her brother and his family and her sister and and their family, they'd all come down and we'd all work together, you know, hauling pumpkins. And it was just crazy. I mean, that was when I had some of those moments, you know, those moments of like, what would people think of me? I was like out in the corn maze pulling weeds, like out of the middle of the lane and I was thinking about my boss from Dale Carnegie. Like this was an actual thought that I had. And I'm like, what would she even do if she <laughs> saw me out here? You know, but I think that's, that's part of it too, is recognizing that like as a woman, we can have like the more multifaceted we are, I think the more beautiful we are. And it's so hard sometimes to embrace all those parts of yourself. Like does being a country bumpkin make me any less professional Rebecca on them? Like it really doesn't. It just, you have those moments where you're like, oh my goodness, what people say, you know, but I really advocate, like we shouldn't have to compartmentalize. So like Tanya and all my Dale Carnegie friends, they totally know that I'm a country bumpkin, like at heart. Right. 
And yet when I'm with them, it's, it's not a weird thing. Right. So part of that I think too, is just, if we put on faces or put on a facade, like we're not really this person or I'm, I don't do that, or I don't struggle with this, the friendships that you attract aren't real anyway. So you can't fake your way into a real relationship with people is what I tell women all the time. Like if you attracted somebody into your life being anything other than who you are, eventually the real you will come out and they won't like you. And then you'll feel flawed. And it's not your flaw. It's that they weren't attracted to the real you to begin with. Right. So that the pumpkin patch was, it was the thing that brought us back because of the push. Um, we came back in, in, well, my husband came back in June. We opened in September. I came back in August, found out I was pregnant in August. And that those, we had like 10 weeks, I think, before we opened. And I was outside every single day, digging in the dirt, doing whatever it took to get this business up and running with my mom. And it was an amazing time. I mean, it was bizarre, bizarre, but it was amazing. That sounds really cool. Yeah. What are some of your uh, best tips for women in this same kind of space who need help feeling big regardless of their circumstance. Okay. So the first thing is kind of alluding to what I just said, that the quicker we can be honest with ourselves about who we really are, what we really love, what really matters to us. Mm -hmm. And then saying like unequivocally, I am not going to be deterred from who I really am and choosing that you're going to show up authentically loving and being the true you, no matter what. I think that is really the first step. Right. Not feeling the need to apologize for things that are just truly who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, from that, uh, really choosing wisely the people you decide to surround yourselves with. Um, so living in a small town, this is something, I mean, really the, one of the audiences I really hope to reach are the shiny, maybe diamonds in the rough in the small communities or, you know, places that are rural because man, it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some lovely people in our community, but I, I just sometimes feel like everyone's kind of okay. Just being okay. And I am not wired like that at all. So, um, the internet for me, man, it's, I don't just play on the internet. I stay, I feel alive because of the connection right. made through social media and through the work that I've been doing. It's so choosing wisely like who gets a say and who doesn't and making sure you have people. There's two things for me that make a really quality friendship. One is that they will celebrate with you. Like there's none of that backhanded compliment, like, Oh, must be nice to mm-hmm. fill in the blank. None of that crap. They don't, they don't belong in here. Um, secondly, so it's a joke. Okay. Maybe you guys will relate to this. So like as a farmer's wife, there's always kind of that idea, like, Oh, it must be nice to be a farmer's wife. What <laughs> like what <laughs> even talking about you know so so like even there's people in our small town just happened last night we had a little gathering one of my friends just got a new car and she actually said I'm keeping it parked in the garage for a little while huh? you know because you don't want people to see you in a new car because then they assume all these things about you like right. these are right. real things that happen to people right. oh my so God. yeah so if you're I mean those people aren't your friends the people that would question or doubt or have anything crappy to say about you because you got a new car. They're not your friends. Come on. You, they can be acquaintances. And I certainly advocate everybody be kind right. and, and polite and generous, but you do not have to invite them over and share space with them. See them on the street and call it good. Okay. So then the set, so celebration is the first thing. And the second thing is 
that you can turn to them when you feel so ugly that you don't even love yourself. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs at least one person that they can be that stripped down in front of. I tell a story and I, and I share it from the stage too. It's in my keynote as well. Just about a time where I was like, I hate life, like everything about it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to have this life. I don't want to be married. I don't want to be married to my husband. I don't want to be pregnant as pregnant with our daughter. Um, just, I suck at everything. Everything's terrible. And I, you know, did that quick inventory in my head, like, who do I trust with this? Mm-hmm. And luckily I had a friend that I called and I mean, the, the thing she didn't say is, well, at least you have a husband and you know, the whole at least thing, like, mm-hmm. well, at least you have this, or at least you have that. She did none of that. She just said, it's okay to feel like crap. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay. She didn't judge it and she didn't put any value on, you know, it's just, she just listened. So those are the two things. I think that's really important. And then I think the third thing is to quit looking over the proverbial fence, Mm -hmm. whatever your fence is. So if you're looking over it and you're thinking, if only I had fill in the blank again, like, is it better looks, a thinner body, um, a more supportive husband, uh, better job opportunities, you name it, right? It's, we have to seriously decide. And so blooming where you're planted is kind of my, my mantra. Like, how do you do the best that you can with where you're at and what you have? Um, because there's nothing, there's no reason to delay starting or to delay trying something new, waiting for that thing out here to come to fruition. Right. All you're going to do is waste your life away, wishing and wanting for something else. So that is like generally the advice I give. And I would say the other, the other thing that kind of wraps around all of this, um, it, it, one of your interview questions that you had sent was, you know, what books and websites and podcasts or whatever do you listen to for resources? And certainly there are some things I love, um, but I think the most important thing is to recognize that the author or the content creator is not you. And so you have, we have all got to filter all of the advice that we get from people, these well-intentioned people and ask, does this really fit with what I want? And so we're not ever adhering to someone else's definition of success Mm -hmm. to constantly ask, is this what I really want? Do I, do I really feel okay with this? And then changing and pivoting if you have to, you know? So yeah, that's kind of my general advice, I guess. Not so much advice, but I think it's how I have come to feel really at peace and good in my own skin in this tiny town where everything you do is on display. Even people that aren't as public as I am with what I do, you can't escape it. There's just, there's not enough distraction for them (laughs) to be distracted by something else. Like it's, that's one of the tough things about rural small towns. Yeah. And there's only 1,800 people to talk about. Your name comes up quite a bit, I'm sure. That's right. (laughs) Statistics would prove that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Yeah, I I have really enjoyed this conversation quite a bit. I think it was one I needed to have today. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. It's been been fun. I, I love the idea behind Lose the Cape, by the way. Thank you. Fantastic business name. (laughs) Thank you. Well, you know, it's important for us to realize that, I mean, kind of similar to what you're preaching is that we're talking about, I guess you're not preaching at us. I am a little preachy. I try not to be. I try not to be. My speaking coach said, don't be preachy. (laughs) 
I'll try. You know, this this idea that um, we are who we are. We're all doing the best that we can do, and the best that we can um, for ourselves and for our kids. And we just have to accept that it's not always going to look like what we imagined. It's not always going to look like what other people would imagine for us. But exactly, we do the best we can. Right. I am in a camo hat and a workout shirt. I dig it. <laughs> oh, Aubrey. And watching cat, my dog chase the cat right now. <laughs> this is not going to end well for one or the other. <laughs> Me, when I have to go out there and figure out how to get the cow back on the other side of the fence. That's hilarious. See, and that's real life. Like, I think just the more real that we can be about the things that we feel and the things that we struggle through, mm-hmm. oh, the better life is. Because every weird and random thought I think most women have ever felt some other woman somewhere has experienced. Yeah, darn right. That's so and, true. And instead we go, oh, but I'm just somehow I'm flawed. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, no, we're all flawed. Actually, we're all equally flawed. We're all yes. messed up in some way or another, you know, oh, for sure. Right. Yes, all thank you. Out. <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, where can people find you? So, um, my main website is Rebecca Undem.com. So U N D E M.com Rebecca, the non-biblical way I always say. So it's R E B E C C A U N E M.com. Um, yeah. And I, my book, you can find my book there. I write a blog. Um, I, sh- I have a weekly Facebook live that I do just little topics that we tackle every single week. And yeah, so I would love it. I would love it if people would connect with me and, and let me know, you know, if there's, a, I love it when people give me topics, like if there's something weighing on their hearts that we mm-hmm. can, we can tackle, that's like my favorite thing in the world. So I seriously, if, if people feel like they want to know me or they have a question that don't hesitate, reach out and ask. It's my, my favorite part of the business, frankly. Awesome. Well, thank you awesome. so much for yeah. sharing time with us today and giving us this big vision for our lives, just where they are, just where we it's are perfectly right are. Exactly. Thank you too. It was awesome. Awesome thank to meet you. you.